When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's supposed to be an afternoon where Celtic salvaged some pride in what has been a rather disastrous season, but it didn't quite pan out that way. Welcome to the Record Celtic Podcast. My name is Daniel Cod. Today I'm joined by Michael Gannon and Craig Swan. Guys, how are you? Yeah, good, Daniel. Thank you. Good morning. Yeah, all good here. Yeah. Um, let's, well, let's get us stuck in, I suppose. Let's um, talk about the events of, of Sunday afternoon. I think before we start, obviously, with the football, I think it's um, kind of pertinent to, to mention... Um, Scott Brown's um, gesture towards Glenn Kamara just before kickoff, obviously a rare moment of kind of solidarity and a, a pretty bitter rivalry. Yeah, I, I thought it was a, I thought it was a kind of poignant moment of symbolism that uh, that some things kind of transcend the petty tribalism of of, of, of football. I thought it was a, a, I thought it was a, a very nice gesture made, uh, important gesture made by Scott Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, that, 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 that like for all there is rivalry and listen, we come in a, a country when there's there's hatred and we know there's a lot of problems with the rivalry in in, um, in Glasgow, but I think it was a it was a really nice nice moment that they stand firm when it comes to these kind of things. Um, no, I thought it was a good touch. Likewise, I thought the kind of the two teams united and taking a stand rather than taking a knee, I thought it was a nice touch as well. Yeah. Um, it set it set a tone for a kind of. It was an old firm derby, but it was more like an old friends derby, wasn't it? It was a, it was a very strange kind of um, kind of game in general. But that was a, that was a, a nice touch. Listen, will it make a difference in the bigger picture? I don't know. I mean, I have my doubts, unfortunately, with the way society is at the moment. Um, but I think it was a, a, a poignant moment to bring attention to. It, that's for sure. No, a really classy moment, I thought as well. Um, the match itself, Celtic, the better team. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I thought Celtic probably just edged it. I think it would be unfair to probably to suggest that Rangers played with a normal intensity. They'd had a, a European tie just previous to that against Prague. Um, and a lot of things went on. I'm not sure that... It, and it's always difficult to read into these matches when I know everybody says that there's no such thing as a, a meaningless derby game and that type of thing, but... You know, when the when the league had already been decided, there was obviously going to be a bit of edge taken from it. And I think Michael alluded to that. There was possibly other reasons as well. I don't think it was as on edge as it can be. But I, nevertheless, I don't think it can be argued that Celtic were the better team. But it was just a, it was almost an encapsulation of an of an entire season there. Um, chances created, not enough of them taken, and a bad goal loss from a set piece. There you go. Season season wrapped up in ninety minutes. And Celtic season in a, in a, in a microcosm. Um, uh, a couple of players that I thought we should maybe mention. Um, first of all, Stephen Welsh, who I don't know about you guys personally, I thought he's kind of really starting to come of age. Um, looks like Celtic could have a, a really decent player in their hands. Daniel, he's been, in fairness, he's in the past two months or so, he's barely put a foot wrong. No. Welsh, he's done really, really well. Now, there is an argument to say he's 
basically just doing the nuts and bolts and he's not making errors that Shane Duffy had been making and for that reason alone it has, it has made him look good um, but I think there's there's real signs there that, that Celtic have got a proper defender there um, sorry, sorry to jump in no, just, just on that I've, I've seen a lot of fans on social media saying as well there's a difference between playing in an old firm game and the kind of white hot atmosphere as it usually is and behind closed doors which I take on board but like you just said for me he's barely put a foot wrong you know just very calm and composed yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I, no, I, I get I get the point about the fact there's no atmosphere in the games and that, that does maybe help. But also on the other side of things, somebody like Stephen Welsh, who's been at the club for a long, long time, he's, he comes from a, a family who are all silly diehards and all that stuff. He'll walk on that pitch feeling the, the weight of pressure and expectation oh, yeah. uh, more than anyone. So uh, despite the fact that maybe not, maybe not the noise and the kind of atmosphere and all that stuff, he, he know that, that that game matters and he's, 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 he's been part of the club for long enough. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't just to kind of um, downplay the kind of the atmosphere aspect of it. All. I Aye. think he's been good. I, I mean, he's 21 years old. If I sent a back, he's a he's a he's a bairn. So he's got a long a lot of development still to do. Uh, I think he's in good hands with John Kennedy. I think I think you can see the work they do together. I think I think he has he has and he's improved with the use of the ball. Um, I think he's a defender. I think he likes to defend. He's he's, he's I look alongside um, Chris Iyer alongside him. Maybe not the most natural defenders. I think he is a natural defender. Um, he's still he's still got a lot of development still to do. I still think he need to go out and buy another centre half, at least one, uh, especially with Christopher Julian out long term. I don't know when he's going to come back. Um, but in terms of his development, when you look at guys. I mean, to see Jack Henry getting rave reviews in Belgium. He's twenty five. Take a bit longer, but for centre halves, twenty one is nothing. So he's got plenty of time in his hands. Um, it might be that he is a loan spell somewhere, maybe the English um, lower leagues, maybe the Championship League One or something like that. Um, but it's definitely one for the future. You know, is he not past that point now, Michael? I mean, he had, he had, he had the spell. Well, well, well Swanee, he's, he's, he's twenty-one, right, Swanee? Is he going to start the season next season as, as regular centre half next season? I suspect he might be third choice. You think so? Well, so Christopher Julian comes back September, October. Yeah. And one, one Chris Iyer will be gone. Shane Duffy will be gone. But so even if, if there's one ball, he might even be second pick by the time uh, the season starts because I thought Celtic need to buy two. So one, need two. Need two well, <laughs> well, even then, that means at the start of the season he's third choice. I don't think yeah, he can. But, I don't think yeah. he can let him go. Potentially, just, yeah. I, just, I, I take your point. Ball. I take your point, but I think I think rather than playing playing twelve games next season. I think a, a good way to get him get out next year and get him playing maybe down at League One in England a rough and tumble kind of uh, atmosphere with pressure on his shoulder and fans back in the games and all that stuff and then bring him back um, but I think he's got I think he's a long term a long term prospect I think he's, he's he's shown a lot of potential I think he's got a big future ahead of him Yeah, I, I, we, we mentioned there obviously the work he's been doing with John Kennedy just as an aside note I thought it was brilliant in the post-match interview if you caught him saying uh, aye the work have been doing with Kendall and I thought <laughs> <laughs> That was brilliant. Um, he's, he's, um, well, he's worked with him. He's worked with him for, for about five years. He was saying after the game, he worked with him for about five years. So yeah. he's known him. He knows when he's out, and he's always been Kendall with him. Probably, he's not quite gaffer yet. But um, <laughs> well, not that's the case. Long term, I don't know either. Yeah. But uh, aye, he's, um, he's he's big mate, Kendall. We'll come to uh, we'll come to John Kennedy's future in a wee moment. But just before that, um, Edward's penalty claim, dive or hard done by? What do you guys think? I didn't think there was a lot in it, to be honest. Um, 
listen, the only person who's, well, I'd say the only person who's going to know, the only two people who are going to know how much contact there was is Odson Edward and Bonavaris. That's it. Mm. Um, it's impossible for us to tell. It doesn't matter how many TV angles you look at. In typical form, Celtic were adamant it was, and Rangers were adamant it wasn't. Um, I, I would say had it been given, it would have been soft. I think I think that's fair. Uh, I mean, I, do you know the thing? I can't stand um, VAR down in England, but it was one of the ones that I feel like see if you had the VAR, really slow it down and kind of distort it. You know, I, I feel like it might have been given. I wasn't even sure you I, could. Say listen, I've watched it. I've watched it about about fifty times, and I still can't make up my mind. So I don't know how the referee would do it VAR right enough. No, um, I think I, it, I think it was a dive and a penalty. I think it was both. <laughs> no, I do. I do. I think it's both. I think I think you can tell by the reaction when 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 Barisic slides in, he looked like a guy who was guilty. <laughs> he looked well, at his usually, face. usually I will say usually when someone throws their arms up in the air straight away, say I never done it. It's, honestly, it's cookie jar time. <laughs> it's his face full of chocolate and his face in the jar. So he's, he's, he's dived in right. He's you know the ball. Well, exactly. Talking about his face is always the cookie jar. But he's he's, he's slid in, missed the ball. Edward has has jumped over him and dives right. If he doesn't jump over and dive, it's a penalty kick. So therefore, his action to get out the way of him has uh, potentially denied him a penalty. Because yeah. if he didn't, it's a penalty. So if you have to jump out the way of a player, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter if you make contact. If you have to jump out the way, the rule is it's a penalty or a free kick. That's so I, think he ha- I think he has <laughs> dived to avoid to avoid the, to t- either take, ride the challenge or avoid the challenge. And there's not been minimal, I mean, I mean whiskers or contact, if there's any contact. I mean, I don't think there is much at all. But I think it was a dive, and I think it was a penalty. I think if he dived, uh, if dive wasn't quite as good, he'd have won a penalty. It's a really bizarre moment, honestly. But I think it was both. I think it was both. Um, look at Harry Kane's one on Sunday night. Um, slightly different, but not far off it. That He's invited the contact and then kind of went down. Um, and they're saying, oh, it was tame, but it, it, technically it was a penalty. But I think that was the same thing. I think Edward's tackle was... Was mistimed. He missed the ball, and if you do that, you're you're asking for bother. And I think it was a penalty kick as well as a act of simulation. So I don't know. That's the way I saw it. And, um, you can and, debate it till the cows come home because it's one of those ones. The more you see it, the more you're kind of confused by it. Right. And just generally, Willie Collins' performance overall. What did you think? It was fine. It was a pretty tame game, wasn't it? It wasn't. It wasn't a particularly ferocious. I mean, uh, the first twenty minutes. I, I, I was sitting there thinking this this might this might be the worst ever old firm game. Right. Um, nothing. I mean, the first twenty minutes were it was the, the atmosphere. The because there's no fans, obviously the, the, there was no intensity. Rangers, understandably, were, were a bit kind of um, low key after their recent exploits. Celtic were a bit cautious, and it, it just seemed so kind of anodyne and and, and sanitised, and it just it was crying out for something to happen. The goal. It was a godsend for the game, not just for Celtic, because it really sparked it in the life, and it got quite. I actually thought it was quite an entertaining game after that. But yeah. the first twenty minutes was, was not. An, it was, certainly wasn't an old firm game. It was. Um, it was like a parallel universe at that point. Um, but uh, it picked up, and in terms of the referee, I mean, he let it, he let it go. The usual kind of wee Willie call him. He likes to get involved sometimes. Um, the penalty is a big moment, but I, I think by and large, he, he handled it pretty well. We, well, you guys have, have mentioned, um, obviously, people like Ayer might not be there next season. The Celtic start 11, personally, I think it's going to be, I think that, that'll be one of the, the start 11s you'll look back at and think, oh, God, mind he played for Celtic. Do you, do you know what I mean? It'll be one of those ones that 
you know, it'll be drastically different come August. But how different will it be? I mean, are we talking, you know, huge rebuilds? How many players do they need? Five, six, seven? There's a lot of talk about what's needed. Um, you know, Big does this podcast a lot and, and he talk, he, you know, he the branch that's needed. Um, you know, you're maybe seven, eight players. That's a very difficult thing to do. Um, I think there's probably maybe about half a dozen over there. Forgive me if I miss anyone out here, but you look at maybe Greg Taylor, Julian, Turnbull, McGregor, Brown, James Forrest, and then you're not really sure beyond that. Welsh obviously will go continue, but as Mick says, whether that's as a starter next year, I'm, I'm not sure. I think there may be. They may have to try and get more out of one or two. So I think the idea of bringing seven or eight signings in in one summer is just is highly unlikely. Celtic are going to have to find a way to get more out of some of the guys who maybe haven't performed as well as should have done this season. The one I find really fascinating, I have to say, is Mohamed El Yunusi. I think he's a really fascinating one because there are a section of Celtic supporters who don't think he's done enough. There are another section of Celtic supporters who think he has shown plenty and enough big I mean, his numbers this year in terms of goals are good. His numbers last year were good for goals and his first loan spell. Mm-hmm. I think that position he played yesterday really looked like... Now, again, as judging a dead rubber, you have to be careful. But, I mean, you look at the goals he scored in Lille, for example, the hat-trick he scored at Motherwell. Mm-hmm. It's whether you're talking about... I don't know, Michael might have a view what we think Southampton may be looking for for El Yunusi with a couple of years left in his contract, maybe eight, ten million. Is he, is, he, is he worth that type of outlay? I'm not sure whether Celtic will see that. I'm not sure whether El Yunusi will want to stay, whether Southampton want to keep him. But he fascinates me. I think he's one who could be a real... I know you thought he could be player of the year at the start of the season, Mac. I know. Uh, uh, but he's got, he's got that amount of ability. That, that, listen, that's, that's the infuriating thing, Swanee. That's the infuriating thing about him. Because I think at the start of the season, I think he had the tools to be the best player in Scotland this season. And I think, listen, he scored 16 goals this season, which, is, like yeah. you say, his numbers are good. Right. But I think he's been a letdown. I think he has. I think he's been a letdown. Um, I just think I, there's more, Michael. I, I, I agree with you. Yeah. I think I think he's been unfortunate because I don't think the way he's had it played this year has been his strengths. Um, I, I don't actually think that role he played on Sunday was, was his best role. I don't think off the front like that. As I can and I can have a kind of four four one one thing. I don't. I'm not sure that's his best. I think he's better at better at wide maybe uh, yeah. as part of a kind of three a four two three one or something like that. The diamond kind of negates him a bit. Um, I think I think the Celtic have struggled to get him in a position that he's at his strength. So I think they struggled. He suffered this year in that aspect. But there's been games he's played. He's not impacted enough. Yeah. Um, I think he's a frustrating player. He has got all the tools. He's got a, he's got a real burst of pace. He's got a final ball. He can score a goal. Um, I look at I look at kind of Scott Sinclair in his first season at Celtic, and I think that that's the kind of impact he could have had mm-hmm. this year. I know yeah. last year he, he showed it last year in flashes. I thought he was going to have a, a season like Scott Sinclair had in his first campaign. That's what I could see coming. That's why I thought this guy's player of the year material. It's not really happening, so not it's not. It's, it's, there's too many games where he's, he's not been influenced, and you see him getting subbed off, and he's kind of. I think mean, it's just his character. He's a bit laid back. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I'm just maybe because it's a loan signing. I don't know. Maybe not all that. I just think he's not yeah. quite justified the, the kind of early optimism with him. Yeah. One, I, just, I think the, the the prospect of of a team 
or a club signing eight or nine players in one summer to revamp a team. It's just, I, I just can't. That, that's see, the, I, but that, is that is that not what they need though? I mean, looking, you're looking at what what, what do think, they need? I, I think they do, Michael. But I think so they need, need a, goal keep, a goalkeeper. I don't think yes. they can do it in one window. You know, you need a goalkeeper. Need, uh, at least one right back, potentially two right backs. Yeah, a left, a left back. back, a left back to compete with Taylor. Two centre backs. Two centre backs to start the season with. Yeah. Probably a centre midfield player with Brown future in doubt and his age. Yeah. Uh, Sorrow, I'm not convinced about in longer term. I know yeah. people are raving about him. I'm not sure. I think they're they're lacking the wide areas. I mean, at the moment they've got one winger and James Forrest. They need two wide players mm-hmm. and probably a centre forward if Edward goes as well. Two, so that's three, eight players. Two or three centre forwards. Well, the well, I'm talking. About, I mean, cast iron starters. You're yeah. looking at eight. You're looking at eight players. That's a difficult thing to do in one window, Michael. That's my point. And that's I'm, I'm, we're assuming. Listen, we're assuming that that Ayer, Edward, maybe Ryan Christie, who's still not in his contract, are, are leaving, and Brown goes to pastures new or retires or whatever. So they're they're four big guys that are are, are, are leaving. Chuck in the three loan signings that are, that are away are four. Shane Duffy also as well. Um, that's a major. That's that's starters. We're talking seven or eight starters for next season. And then what I would throw in, guys, as well is that that's hard enough to do in any preseason, but post COVID as well. That's that's going to be it's going to be a well potentially a nightmare. You, you would have thought. Um, the one, I know I know you guys are pressed for time, so I, I just want you quickly take your take on a couple of other things. Um, Celtic's uh, propensity to somehow every match concede from from a set piece um, came up again uh, yesterday. The one guy that um, I'm, not, I'm not obviously laying it all on him, but the one guy that I wanted to mention was was obviously Christopher Ayer. Um, I know Michael. Obviously, there's a story in the record today about him talking about, or sorry, the, the Norwegian manager talking about how he looks almost like a a man playing boys football. I mean, what, what do you guys think about that? Oh, listen, it's, it wouldn't be the first time a, an international manager uh, of a player that plays in Scotland has had, has had plenty to say. I'm not sure it's he should have worded it quite as strongly as he did. I think everybody realises that Christopher Ayer has the tools and the ability to move to a bigger league. He'll, he'll struggle to find a bigger club than Celtic, but he'll you know, certainly move to a bigger league. Mm-hmm. Still sold back and mentioned that one of the top five divisions. But he's got a lot. He's still got a lot of brushing up to do. I mean, he's strong. He's composed. He's good with the ball at his feet. He's learned, I think, to stay on his feet longer now. He used to be very rash and dive in. Michael and I were in Rennes when he gave a penalty kick away in the Europa League last year, just diving in for no reason. Mm-hmm. He's kind of got that stuff out. But a centre back now. Listen, it's maybe different than the top. But at the end of the day, set pieces account for so many goals in football these days. And to me, he doesn't win enough balls in the box. Three kicks get delivered into Celtic's area and corner kicks get delivered into Celtic's area. You want your centre half to be throwing people out of the way to get a forehead on it. Now, you look at the goal that was lost in Sunday against Rangers, technically that's not Christopher Ayer's fault. Leon Balogun is Scott Brown's man and Scott Brown loses him. Mm -hmm. Balogun wins the first header and Joe Kenny's not alive to Morelos moving off him and he puts it in. So none of it's actually Christopher Ayer's fault, but you just think, when you're talking about a top, top centre-half, they always make those balls theirs. Even yeah. if it's not their man, they catch the flight of the ball early and they go and deal with it. And I don't think he does it enough to be top, top, top at this stage of his career. But again, I come back to the point Michael said about Stephen Mills. Christopher Ayer's not old either. He's only in the... 22, yeah. 
he's only the embryonic players we see as a centre back, so he'll end up at the top. There's no doubt about it, but he's he's, he's not the finished article yet. That's a good point. To be fair, I forget he's still quite young too. Um, what, did, what, did, what did you guys make then of um, overall? What did this mean? This match mean for John Monaco, if anything? Not a lot. Not a lot. I don't think. Um, I think he'll still be part of a conversation in terms of, of the manager's role. I don't think that's a realistic proposition. Um, purely in kind of terms of Celtic wanting to try and win back a swathe of the support and all that stuff. So I think that, that it's a hard one to sell, really. I think I think John Kennedy's his reputation as a coach, we all speak to him in the game and he's got a, a great reputation as a coach. I think he's worth being at the club. Mm. Um, I think at some point, John Kennedy's going to have to go out and, and become a manager on his own right somewhere. Um, and somebody will give him a job. I know he was close. And I think Hibs a couple of years ago were, were looking at him. I think somebody will give him a job and I think he'll do well. I think he's, I, I do think he's got a big future in management, John Kennedy. Um, I think his he's, view of the game is good. I think he's a, a student, a kind of Brendan Rodgers. Um, I, I can see um, he, he's very tactical the way he works. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes a wee bit of that coaching jargon that, that sometimes we glaze over. Listen, I mean, me and Swan are old tabloid hounds. Mm-hmm. Um, we get confused by a lot of this kind of stuff. It's, it's, um, <laughs> High, high pressing and low blocks and all that stuff. We, uh, us dinosaurs struggle when you come see kind of things. But yes, he's very much a modern coach. I like. I seen a few things on Sundays. I liked. I could see in the part what he was doing. I thought it was quite good. Um, so I, I think he's got a big future as manager now. No, I don't think so. Um, I mean, I, I'm sorry, Michael, to jump in. I, I agree with you for what it's worth. But just to play devil's advocate, if you see he went to Scottish Cup, is he definitely out the running for the job? I think. I still, I still think it's about a hard sell. Right. I still think, I, I still think so. Um, I think it, it gives the, the, the silly border a, a question, um, but I don't know what you think. But I think that's a, a hard sell at a time when the, 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 the crowds are hopefully coming back post COVID. We, we touch wood, so they, they want to get Parkhead filled and all that stuff. Celtic got a, a awkward it, position. You think it's an unfair situation actually on John Kennedy and the, yeah. the fact. Celtic supporters at the moment are looking for a wow moment. They're looking for a Brendan Rodgers moment. That's yeah. what they want. That's not really John Kennedy's fault. And no. And it's not, I don't think the fact that the Celtic supporters don't really want John Kennedy, it's particularly all of them having a, a bad f- feeling or a bad thought towards John Kennedy. I don't think that's what it is. I think, but what I think, what, I think what you're saying is correct in the fact that when you say it's a hard sell, I think the Celtic fans just now are looking for a wow moment. Uh, mm-hmm. this is a guy or this is the next one and I'm not sure John would fit that profile so I think it's probably more a he's more a victim of circumstance in this sense rather than his actual abilities I think that's probably the best way to say it yeah um, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to just finish off today's uh, pod guys by putting you in the spot a wee bit on, on the same sort of subject Martin O'Neill yesterday was obviously one of the pundits on Sky um, kind of put to him about the next manager and he was got a bit coy and that about himself but who do you guys think is most likely? You know, you've touched on it. Big name maybe needed for season tickets, etc. But how do you think it will play out? If I knew McDermott, Desmond was planning, I'd have written it. <laughs> I don't think he even knows what's happening at the moment. Uh, that's the problem. Um, what what will happen? I don't think we can say because really we can't because I don't think those decisions haven't been made yet. 
Right. Um, I think I was amazed last week when I know it was a bit of a kind of a, a few day wonder the, the kind of Jesse Marsh stuff that came up when he, his uh, his interview we did with the BBC, which was a kind of um, <laughs> putting your CV out there to the yeah. public. I think I think listen, I think Jesse Marsh was being cute. I think he was uh, flagging up his um, his uh, availability to clubs uh, elsewhere rather than Celtic. But I was amazed at the kind of response to some by some fans like who's this guy and all that stuff. Oh, no, 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 dismissing him. I was I was chuckling because that would be, he would be a phenomenal manager to take the bag. I, I agree. Um, he yeah. fits the bill at absolutely every single level that Celtic need right now. Um, whether they get him, I doubt it. I mean, I know that um, the Glad, Mitch and Gladback were mentioned, but they've now got, they're going down the kind of Xavi Alonso going there, or is it Xavi? Is it down there? I've seen this morning, but they're, they're going a different direction anyway. We might open the door. I would look at if I was Celtic, I would look at somebody like Graham Potter at Brighton. That's, a good That's the guy I would go for. Um, He's not a particularly sexy name, to be honest with you. Well, like Graham Potter, he sounds like a, a Cornish Street <laughs> character. <laughs> but he's a guy um, who has is, is got a oh, great from the Amex. It's been so bad from the Amex. He's <laughs> 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 like the cobble streets of, of, of Brighton. Um, I think he'd be an interesting one. Where you could tempt him away from Brighton. I think their their positions are a bit false. I know they're in a bit of bother in that league. Um, but I think he's he's a, a good coach, a builder. Um, I think he'd be an interesting one. I think that's the kind of the manager that kind of that would fit the bill. I know there's a lot of talk about uh, Enzo uh, Maresca, uh, youth coach at Man City. That's a gamble. I think people have dismissed that as a kind of as a kind of um, Pedro Casina type appointment. I don't think it's the case. I don't think he's that. He's got a, a lot of pedigree, again, but unt- untested uh, as a manager at that kind of level. Um, but be, be a bold and, and kind of um, interesting move, if that's the case. Mm-hmm. Um, tricky for Celtic. They're a, a difficult market. That's, that's kind of why the, the Neil Lennon got the job last time round as well. Um, the Brendan Rodgers coup a couple of years ago was, was a kind of unique set of circumstances that came into being. The stars aligned for them. It was uh, Rodgers out of work looking to kind of, I'm not saying rehabilitate his reputation, but a bit of that, went a few trophies in the sideboard and he did that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not even convinced that Rodgers would not have got the Leicester job even if he hadn't done the Celtic job. So I don't know if that, that worked as a second still. I think he'd have still got that job at some point yeah. maybe. Um, so I don't know, but there isn't, there isn't another Brendan Rodgers out there. They're not going to get a David Moyes now or that kind of level. So it's a tricky market Celtic are in. They might have to think, Outside the box a wee bit, mm-hmm. but uh, like I say, I think the Potter one may can you tempt him away from Brighton for that kind of job potentially? Financially, you could. No, I don't well, know. I suppose the problem, Michael, is that when you're looking to tempt a guy of that ilk, and it has to be there has to be some sort of discussion about time and time to build and things like that. And the problem you've got in Glasgow is no, are people going to be prepared to allow? Uh, a 12-month, an 18-month building process to take place. Mm-hmm. Uh, there need to be somebody like a, one of the names that was mentioned, like a Sean Dyche, to come in and just hit the, hit the ground running immediately and, and, and do an overhaul overnight. It just depends, you know, and it, that, that, that then lends an argument to quick fix. People are trying to do things quickly. Is it now the time for Celtic? The, I don't think anybody would disagree that the whole sighting of 10 in a row maybe derailed focus slightly and long-term planning was maybe cast aside in terms of actually just trying to get over the line for that. But maybe the time has now come to sort of root and branch and strip it all back, start again and, and, and do the rebuild properly because you've got to be talking in terms of European football as well. Right. You know, I think it's something that Michael and, and Sutty have talked about a lot. You know, still taking Europe, it's 
it's, it's something that they really have to get stuck into and, and really try and make their mark. European competitions are going to start changing again. We all know the finances that are involved. They want to be building a proper club up to start getting in and, and challenging again and, and, and playing regularly post-Christmas in Europe and things like that. And I think maybe getting someone in to build would be the ideal scenario. It's just whether Celtic fans are prepared to take another hit for a season while this build is, is rebuild is taking place. That's that's the question I guess you'd have to ask everyone individually. Yeah, absolutely. But listen, guys, um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, I'm sure Celtic fans out there will have plenty... Um, plenty to say I'm sure I'm sure they won't be shy on social media and get in touch if they've uh, they disagree or agree with any of your comments um, but as I say, it's been a real pleasure um, and uh, thanks very much and we'll, we'll hopefully be back soon with another, another record Celtic podcast Celtic Podcast